0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort
1: Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome. to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, and a happy Tuesday to you. Welcome to The Ron Show. This is usually like a very slow time of year, news-wise, especially politically speaking. Congress is out of D.C., president is uh, back in Delaware at his home or on the beach. Uh, th- the vacation cycle is set up so that the folks in D.C. and Maryland, the schools don't even really get started up there until either just before or just after Labor Day weekend, uh, whereas here in the South, we're sending our kids back to the school in scalding hot August temperatures. So there's not a whole lot to talk about news-wise, except you know, society keeps happening. The Montgomery Brawl, for example. So we're going to talk with uh, Donnell Suggs in a little bit. We have had him on in the past. He of the Atlanta Voice, Atlanta's African-American owned and operated weekly newspaper. He's the editor in chief there. So we'll talk with him a little bit about that. And uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. The memes and uh, they just keep coming. Apparently now there's a little discussion about whether or not that folding chair was once the folding chair that Bernie Sanders uh, Re-ergraced at <laughs> at the inauguration of Donald Trump back in 2017. I don't think that's true. But there are just so many memes out there. Uh, there's also the question: Does this qualify as something tried in a small town, Mister Jason Aldean? Uh, Montgomery is only slightly larger than his hometown of Macon, Georgia, and I do mean only slightly. Like I think 40,000 residents. Macon has about 150 something, and Montgomery has about 190 something. So they're comparably sized, if that is indeed. A air quotes small town, Mister Jason Dean. Anyway, plenty to uh, discuss with Don L Suggs about that. In the meanwhile, allow me, if you don't mind, to air a grievance. I have had one of the frustrating situations that I think a lot of folks can relate to in the healthcare business. <laughs> and as as I get older, I'm probably going to find myself ensnared in this more and more. And fortunately, right now. I am still, I think, somewhat sharp enough when it comes to technology and even media and social media and email and et cetera and so on. For those who are not my age or older, man, I understand the frustration. And of course, you don't have to watch too much daytime television where seniors tend to be the ones home the most, right? Uh, They and the unemployed uh, who are watching daytime television and a lot of them watching cable news and they get sucked into these things, whether it's medication or reverse mortgages or buying gold this or trinket that or commemorative this and that. I saw the last few years of my grandmother's life, uh, my grandmother on my mother's side, uh, where she kind of got sucked into some things and she was a pretty savvy person up until her last days, right? But the junk mail, oh my god, you could just tell she got drawn into some stuff that she shouldn't have. Anyway, my point being, I did something today that I never dreamt of having to do. But here we are with the hyper corporatization of our healthcare industry. So my last checkup, July eighteenth. Uh went and had, you know, just a routine quarterly blood work. Uh they told me I needed to do a PAP back at the uh <clears throat> The rear quarter panel, if you will. Uh, for those that don't know, I am a, I'm a gay man. And so they recommend that you do these things every once in a while. So anyway, um, on the 18th, I went to the checkup, got the blood work, did the little, uh, was it a cotton swab back there? I don't know what they, but I, I would assume it was a cotton swab, right? So on the 21st, I get a call from my primary physician telling me that I'd need to make a follow-up appointment with a specialist because some test results were, quote, grade worsened. Okay, a little unnerved by that. For those who don't know, uh, some of that stuff can be precancerous when you're back looking in the, you know, the the sphinctoral, rectoral, you know, area, colon. It's It's just not something that you want to sleep on, right? So that call was coupled with notes on their patient portal app. I hate their app. It's so cumbersome and hard to navigate. And again, I'm kind of a techno-savvy guy for someone my age, 49. Uh, Anyway, so the note that was on the app had the specialist office phone number. I called the specialist office phone number. They told me, uh, they dialed me back once my primary physician's office, which, by the way, used to be locally owned, uh, now part of a large national entity. Anyway, they would get back in touch with me once my primary physician had sent them via fax, by the way a referral. Okay, no big deal. I thought, all right, so next day or two, I'll hear from them. That was on the 21st. At that time, I was off camping, enjoying life. Didn't really let it nag at me. I really didn't. I didn't because I'd I'd been through this procedure before with my primary and it turned out to be no big deal, but they liked to be, or at least then when they were locally owned, better safe than sorry. Again, that was the 21st. By the 27th, though, I'd heard from no one. So I called the specialist again. Again, they've gotten no referral from my primary. So I called my primary physician's office and wound up having to leave a message on my nurse practitioner's assistant's voicemail. Uh huh. Surely I thought I'd hear from someone then, right? Because I've been with this physician's office uh, four years. I think four years, right? Again though, they were locally owned. I actually knew the name of the doctor because the name of the doctor was the doctor that would see me occasionally. Anyway, he retired, he sold the place and he's they've kept the name of the doctor, but it's part of a different national organization. Anyway, today, August 8th, having heard from no one still, I made the same round of calls again, except when calling my primary second call after calling the specialist to find out they still don't have the referral. I called the primary. Uh, I insisted to the young lady that answered the call, please do not send me to voicemail again. I stressed the importance and amount of time that had passed since getting that alarming call and note. So she puts me on hold. I assume to get some background or maybe wait for my nurse practitioner or his assistant to get on the phone with me. Minutes passed. Someone else picked up and then said, hi, how can I help you? And when... I say that that's what she said. I said, "Eh, I just spoke to somebody else, and I really gave the whole lay of the land. It takes a few minutes to spell it out. Do you know why I'm on the call? And she said, no. Can you tell me what the situation is? And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Just put me back in touch with the lady who had me on the call. And she said, hold, please. Put me back on hold. And then a few minutes later, I got a voicemail greeting. And this was the chief nurse practitioner's voicemail, someone I've never met before. Here's the thing. I live three minutes' drive from this office. So I got dressed, and I huffed my ass down there. Figuratively, literally, okay. Ha, ha, ha. I explained to the receptionist why I was there. I was a little heated, not going to lie, but I kept my cool to her. Very matter-of-fact, no pleasantries, wanted to set the tone. I'm there because I'm not happy, but I'm not going to make a stink here in the lobby. But I can tell you this, when she let the chief nurse practitioner know that I was here and that I was apparently not in a mood to play around, that chief nurse practitioner who I got his voicemail on the phone came out to the lobby and asked me to come back to his office for some privacy. Not for me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, because trust me, at this point, I'm ready to air all my shit out in front of anybody in the lobby because I am pissed. If you're counting, by the way, the appointment where the pat was taken was July 18th, right? So that's 13 plus 8, 21, three weeks later. We're three weeks later, and I still don't get to have this appointment because the, 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 the specialist wants the referral from the primary. Uh, so the CNP, whose voicemail I hung up on, turns out he hadn't even set it up yet. That's what he told me. Didn't even I would have left a voicemail to a voicemail box no one was checking. Had I not gone down there, I'd still not have the referral that I finally got sent to the specialist, and I wouldn't have the appointment set for this Thursday. I was told I very much needed three weeks ago today. My primary nurse practitioner and his chief nurse practitioner tried being a plum that the specialist office only just now needed such a referral. Well, they haven't needed this before. I don't know what the problem is. Anyway, I explained to them that that doesn't matter when I'd let them know it was needed for me to get the appointment. I was also told I should have reached out to my nurse practitioner through their cumbersome as all get out portal app in the first place I am again not ignorant I, I'm not yet of consumer cellular age I don't need those kind of phones yet I know how to work my way through an iPhone and apps and websites etc and so on but I can assure you it's cumbersome as hell to navigate through the portal app even for me and no oh, by the way They didn't actually disagree with that because they said, well, don't worry, we're going to a new portal next week. (laughs) And it's not going to be nearly as confusing. So my thinking was, so you admit the one you're using now is confusing as all get out, but I was somehow supposed to message you because I wasn't getting through via phone call. Suffice to say, later this week, I'm going to be looking for a new primary physician's office. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got the appointment with that specialist, but I had to literally put on clothes. I was, you know, still on my PJs at 8 30 this morning. Put on clothes, go down there, be halfway presentable, and physically go face to face with people to make this happen. And I know what you're thinking. Ron, why is this so important to you? Okay, I'll tell you. My mother died from cancer. It's almost impossible to detect before it's too late. But her primary physician was also asleep at the wheel. Dismissing my mother's complaints, whose symptoms led to what would take her life. She was just 58 years old. And I'll be 50 in February. We're the best country in the world, we're told. And yet our life expectancy has fallen in recent years. We're a top 10 nation in rates of cancer per capita. We've let our food industry give us mostly options that are poor for our health. And our government lets said industry tell us things are good for us, even if they aren't. We're passive to polluting industries because we can't be anti-business. We've let all of our industries morph from local and regional to national and multinational. But folks are worried about, quote, big brother government? you damn right I'm angry. And I don't get angry these days. I'm sick of being overlooked by my doctor's office, and I'm going to be proactive about that but I'm flat out furious for all of those who don't have the time and or ability to take control of their healthcare the way I'm able to. We're fighting each other about wedge issues made wedge issues by politicians and corporate entities who seek to keep us distracted from how much they're wronging us. Will we ever collectively get it? Folks, we're literally the school of fish that could turn the tides on the shark. Let's start doing it. Back after this. Welcome back to the Ron Show for Tuesday. So there may still be folks in Metro Atlanta who are without power after those strong storms moved through yesterday afternoon. I got the show done early enough that I knew it was going to be on the server for America One Radio just in case. And then my big old cat Herschel. By the way, happy International Cat Day. Herschel Dooley, love you to pieces. Uh, Looking in on Miss Ruby upstairs from my neighbor as well. So it's been a great cat day for me. Anyway, Herschel and I had one hell of a nap through that storm yesterday. I mean, we were just we were we were locked in. We were good to go. Donnell Suggs joins us from the Atlanta Voice, and you're probably thinking uh, while he's waiting to get on, what am I walking into here? Donnell, how are you, man?
0: I'm well, brother. How you been, man? Long time no here.
1: Yeah, I'm good. Are, are you a cat guy by chance? You got you got felines I, in the house? I I don't have any. I love all animals, so they I think cats
0: are awesome because they they don't you don't have to do anything. Just give them some food and. They want to be left alone. So I like them.
1: Sometimes they do. No, you're right. Uh first things first, I definitely want to talk about the Montgomery brawl. And oh, as okay. as as a non-person of color, I actually am enjoying all the fun my uh my African American friends are having on social media over this. <laughs> so so I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to have that conversation with you. But the first thing I want to get to is actually something a little bit more local uh than that, and that's the pending Fonnie Willis activity, uh, the Fulton uh, district attorney about to level Donald Trump with some more indictments. First things first, I'm going to play a statement he made. Uh, was this earlier today? Was this It was not long ago. Let's, actually. let's listen to what he had to say about Fonnie Willis. Uh, here we go.
0: They waited. And I probably have another one. They say there's a young woman, uh, a young racist in Atlanta. She oh. a racist. And they say, I guess they say that. She was after a certain gang and she ended up having an affair with the head of the gang or a gang member. Wow. And this is a person that wants to indict me. She's got a lot of problems, but she wants to indict me to try and run for some other office. Uh, What's going on in this country is, uh, by the way, wants to indict me for a perfect phone call. This was even better than my perfect call with Ukraine.
1: So, Donnell, let's talk Uh, now. uh, Donald Trump insinuate, then just insinuate, he just flat out said she had an affair with a gang member and wants to run for another office. Where, where does he get this stuff from? I, I've covered
0: her back when she was at the, and, uh, the uh, back when she was working for the city all the way through her career. I've never heard anything like this at all. I have no idea where these things come from, and it's very dangerous to just spout things out like that, that not only are untrue, they've been unfounded. Like I don't even know where this is coming from. Like what is he talking about? It's oh, amazing.
1: It, it is. It's incredible, and you know he leans on that First Amendment uh, protected speech stuff to right. ensure that he cannot be held liable for anything that occurs because of something he says. But there is danger in yelling fire in a crowded theater, obviously. But there's also some danger in stuff that he's yelled between uh, January, say January sixth, the morning of, and and now as well. It's it's amazing that. Despite
0: this, despite these things being unfounded, despite some of these things being actually investigated and found untrue, there are still people who consider that great qualities for not only a leader of a company or, your, or like or like a, a coach, like the leader of the country. It's amazing. If I told you all these things and all these things he's done and all these things that he lied about, and I said, this guy's a great plumber, you probably would be like, you know what? Now, I'll just go with another plumber. That's just a lot of stuff. <laughs> but. But if I give you that and say, I want them to run the country, the most powerful nation in the world, you go, it might work. Let's try. Uh, It's amazing. uh, It's amazing.
1: So let's also talk about the underlying racism of such uh, an insinuation uh, that Fonnie Willis, an African-American female, uh, who is a, a powerful district attorney, is somehow still susceptible to having an illicit sexual affair with a gang member. I mean, the, the the dog whistle is loud enough that even I hear it.
0: There's literally nothing to that statement. Nothing. You know, sometimes someone says something, it's like, yeah, I was at the party, but I didn't drink. Or, yes, I was driving the car, but I didn't speed. There's not, she's not even in the car. She's not even in the, in the state with this statement. Like, it's not even true. And as a man, you would think another man will have enough pride in himself to say, you know what? I can't just say random stuff like that. As a man, I say, he's a father, he's a grandfather. He never Wait, stopped me before. Say that. I know, I know. I hope that one day you wake up and say, you know what? This is ridiculous. I am a man of a certain age, and this is ridiculous for me to be lying randomly in front of hundreds of people or whatever, how many people were there. This is, and, how many, and, and imagine how many people heard it, which is millions at this point. This is un, it's really unfair that... We don't really hold them to account really the way we should. I know, I know we're, we're getting better at that at CNN and MSNBC. We're getting better. But it's just amazing. Like You can't do that.
1: Well, he's not being held accountable by the people that matter, and that's only going okay. to be within the right-wing echo chamber. I mean, the, the, the number of voices uh, who speak when Donald Trump makes a misstep are still very few. I mean, you have Chris Christie, you have uh, Liz Cheney, who now doesn't have much of a platform. Exactly. You you have uh, Asa Hutchinson, who is a a governor, but isn't polling well either. And Fox News got, you know, slapped on the nards the one time that they did start dispelling, uh, you know, some misinformation after the 2020 election, but only because they had a multi-million dollar lawsuit they had to pay off.
0: Right. So they're not not at their highest seat of power either. So everyone you named is doing it now because it benefits them. Chris Christie, it clearly benefits him now Mm -hmm. to do that. So that's not, I mean, you can, you can, you and I can stand face to face and you, and you won't say a word to me. Then I walk all the way down the block and you call me a punk? Well, (laughs) good for you, but I can hear you. I can't hear you now. So so that wasn't a tough move. So Chris Christie really doesn't count. And I actually like him. I'm from New York. I remember him being way back in his uh, attorney days. Good guy. But it's like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? It's now, weird. Of you're angry at him. Yeah, but, it's so
1: weird. But that's what's so weird. Like, I watched his CNN town hall a few weeks back, and it, even I came away going, you know, I could, I mean, he's disagreeably agreeable. I mean, I don't agree with 95% of what he says, but, like, if he somehow became president, I don't feel like it'd be the end of the world. I, I feel like
0: he's, and it's unfortunate because he really is. A stand-up guy, in a way. I know some Jersey people are probably like, I don't know about yeah,
1: that. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, in comparison to a Mike Pence, for the example, again, yeah. I'm again, I'm just throwing names out here. I, I have no dog in that particular fight. As mm. a newspaper editor, I have to be neutral. I'm just saying, if you asked me to pick a man to run against Joe Biden in November, I wouldn't want Chrissy because he's an actual stand-up guy. I would want someone like Donald Trump or Mike Pence guys who have waffled left and right and said all kinds of crazy things and mike pence is not even a liar he's not even a liar he's just someone that'll choose a side and kind of hang with it so i mean i want i want trump or mike pence to represent um the gop i would love that the is even better even better oh
1: god Oh, that I mean right. that is the that, that is stories all around. Sorry, that is the turd that just keeps swirling the drain and not making its way down the pipes exactly. just yet. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Listen, I actually want to talk more with you in just a second. We've got a break coming up. I want to ask you about uh you know Tim Scott's president's uh you know presidential aspirations mm-hmm. and, and what the community uh what, what vibe you're getting from the community on that. And then we've got to talk Montgomery Brawl. Please give me the opportunity to talk about that. We're back Absolutely. with uh, Donnell Suggs from the Atlanta voice in just a few minutes on the Ron Show here. America One Radio.com, the American Radio app or every podcast. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. All right, editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice, Donnell Suggs, joins us. We we were talking a little bit about the horse race on the GOP side of things. Uh, There may even, I guess, be a primary for the Democratic nomination, although it's sort of much a fait accompli that the uh, president currently, Joe Biden, will get that. We had Marianne Williamson on back in April. And uh, the the RFK thing is a bit of a train wreck uh, that may not amount to much of anything else. But Donnell, I wanted to talk to you. What is the general sense uh, within the African American community about the Tim Scott viability?
0: Here's the thing: he's making, unfortunately, he's making the same mistake Herschel Walker made here in Georgia, and it's going to hurt him. He's really not speaking to the people he should be speaking to. Mm-hmm. And in my, and again, this is my opinion. As a journalist, as a voter, mm-hmm. uh, he's not speaking to Black Georgians, and I'm thinking, dude, you just saw this kill Herschel Walker's opportunities. You see, this is gonna it's gonna hurt Trump. He clearly lost Georgia. You really should be in in, in and and Tim Scott's black. We know that it should be a given that he should be at some churches here in Georgia, and he might have that set up. He might have that scheduled for later. Right. But I would know. I would have I would have covered it. He should be speaking to Black Georgians, and saying, listen. I know I haven't always been on your side with things. I know I haven't always been out front and center because I'm in South Carolina, obviously. Uh I have business to take care of there. But, hey, I want to speak for you. I want to represent you. Let me talk to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like it hasn't happened yet. Granted, it can still happen. I'm just saying, dude, you got a lot of catching up to do. He's got to do that. Well, he's we, working with him.
1: We also don't really know when the Georgia primary is going to be on the calendar because the Democrats uh, they wanted to be on one on one calendar date, and the the Secretary mm-hmm. of State saying no, we're going to. So he's, he's he's speaking to Iowa voters and New Hampshire voters, and there's like right. what 17 people who might be people of color in those two states combined. Yeah,
0: combined, <laughs> right? And they, all play, and they all play football at the university. Uh, I'm not even
1: yeah. going there. Nope, not going there. <laughs> But, yeah, so, no, I don't disagree with you. In fact, I was thinking about my friend Keith McCants, who is, you know, something of a blue dog Democrat down in South Georgia, a pretty pretty big activist down there, and uh, I've had him on the show a time or two. And, you know, where Stacey Abrams was actually smart, I think, to go and speak with African-American farmers, Uh, that's where she could, you know, that's where a a Tim Scott could make some inroads, you know, and uh, so maybe when we get closer on the calendar, that's what he'll do if he's still in the race. I was just asking, just in general, how his viability is viewed amongst uh, you know your readership, those you interact with.
0: Speaking for my speak, not, I can't, obviously can't speak for every reader, but I'm trying to, mm-hmm. and I can get a vibe and a feel. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I understand he can make personal public appearances. I'll just give you the vibe. He's not. We, we don't feel like he's speaking for us. Yeah. If you allow me to speak for everybody, it doesn't feel like he's one of us. Not black. I know he's black. He mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's somebody that would be working for black Americans. It, he does not give up that vibe. He just doesn't.
1: This this, he this sounds doesn't. a little bit like the skinfolk, not kinfolk kind of thing, you know?
0: I know, and unfortunately, I hate that because it feels like I'm going against a brother of mine, but the fact of the matter is, we're talking politics now. We're not talking yeah. uh, playing on a basketball team together or going playing cards in my house on Sunday. Yeah. I'm talking about politics. He doesn't feel like he's talking for me, mm-hmm. and I'm who he needs to vote. I'm who he needs to get. Yeah. A nine-to-five father right. with three voters in my four voters are in my house, so my mother-in-law my wife, my 18-year-old stepdaughter and me. That's four voters. Uh-huh. You need to you need to talk to me. I'm the leader of the household. You should be talking to me. I can get you four votes.
1: This reminds can, this not, not yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of last week's episode of The Wonder Years. I don't know if you saw that, but uh that that that, that sort of circumstance came up when the returning son from the Vietnam War decided to volunteer for the Republican congressman and and that didn't go over well in the household. Uh no. But uh, uh, let me say this. I lived in South Carolina for 11 years, so Tim Scott uh, served me as a senator. Uh, I remember going to an MLK breakfast, and Tim Scott spoke. And he also was in the reason he, he was available was because he was also in town for the South Carolina Tea Party convention that was going on concurrently uh, across town. So we gave two speeches on the same day, and they were vastly different speeches. I think, that, like, I think he's a quality individual. I think his story is wonderful, but I think he leans a little too hard on the anecdote instead of the empirical, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. So uh, it, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, again, as the GOP primary starts working its way to states where there might be more voters of color. All right, we got to talk about the Montgomery brawl. There this oh my oh my gosh! Here's the first thing that I want to point out, and I have folks who listen who are uh, uh, on the right side uh, of the persuasion who are quick to hit their social media with videos whenever there's a brawl at, like, say, a housing uh, a housing complex in a public housing complex or in a an inner city school where there's just a nasty fight that breaks out. But they're not posting the videos from this, and I'm calling them on that because this was no less a thugs, animals, you know, attacking an innocent person than any of that stuff would have been. but there's large there's a large amount of silence coming from the right on this. I mean, we, we can set the stage pretty quickly, right? You've got a black dock worker mm-hmm. who is telling probably some overserved white pontoon boaters, that they have mistakenly parked their pontoon in a spot that a riverboat gets all the time that they need to move the pontoon. And instead of just getting their asses back in the pontoon and moving on or going somewhere else, they decided to, as a group, stand up to and then start fighting the one black man. It's... it's.
0: I know that you always don't want to trust our eyes a lot, especially today. But you with saw what you saw, right? Yeah. But you saw what you saw, and I've seen it in 15 different angles within the last 48 hours. Yeah. So, so there's not 15 different AI-generated videos. Yeah. It's people who are there sharing it. Yeah. This man, he, may have, he might have said it very nicely, he might have said it very forcefully. Either way, he wasn't wrong. It don't he matter.
1: Can't no, we it can't. Matter. We we can't talk about language when we can't bring that up when there's police officers uh, speaking you know, in a surly tone to an African American person either. So Absolutely. it don't exactly. matter what he
0: has. So let's play. Let's play this. No pun intended. Let's play this black and white. <laughs> hey, you can't. You can't leave it here. If yep. you I, F you, I'll do what I want. Okay. Well, you can't. Okay. Now we're arguing. Now they're fighting him. That mm-hmm. right there is an assault.
1: That's why three people yeah. are, are turning themselves into local authorities. And he's, yeah, he, he is a person of authority in this case, right?
0: In this case, in this particular case, he has more authority over that particular parking spot or dock spot than yep. they do. Yep. And they should have said, all right, man, I'm mad that I got to move it, but what's the big deal? Just move it. Mm-hmm. And and now, what I'm most proud of, and I, and I please, everyone listening, again, you got to understand, I'm a 45-year-old black man and a father of a black son. Mm-hmm. What I'm most proud of is, My people didn't leave him alone to do this by himself. There's there's so many situations where you cannot get involved in. Mm -hmm. There's so many times where, unfortunately, a black man is beaten up or killed. And if someone was there, maybe there was a chance to get some help. But usually there's no one there or no one wants to be on the other end of a gun with a police officer or whatever. In this case, it was men. Well, unfortunately, a few women fighting. And and now these are all adults. Mm -hmm. So the outcomes where I'm from in Brooklyn in 1980s. You put your hands up, you make it happen, you go home. Mm-hmm. And in this case, these are all adults. So I have to admit, I've watched 15 different versions of this video, and not mm-hmm. once did I cringe and say, well, one time, with well, the, chair, the chair thing. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like, dude, dude, dude. But either way, it's like, I mean, you want to fight someone, you're bringing the fight to them, right? Yep. Okay, then we have to accept what happens next.
1: Mm-hmm. Can we also talk, by the way, about the young man, the 16-year-old, who also, I think, was working uh, in the same capacity or similar capacity, who got into the water and swam across the river to go help? First of all, we can now dispel the myth that African-American people don't like to swim because he he got right in that water and swam. Did he not? I mean, I got all the props in the world for that kid.
0: Adrenaline pumping, (laughs) jumps off a riverboat. Right. That wasn't ideal. It's mm-hmm. not a. It's not a. It's not a, a diving board. Yeah. And then swims over and that climbs the board above. Climbs aboard the dock and continues to fight. Yeah. Amazing. A sixteen year old can easily say, "I'm gonna pull out my phone and record it, and that's it." Yeah. that's, well, what, that's what probably most sixteen year olds would have done. Mm-hmm. Pull out their phone, went live on Instagram or whatever, and went about their business. So you got to give a, your young man props for wanting to be involved. I, again. You don't want people just running to fights all the time because somebody can get really, really hurt. But I I have to give the props to that young man for not just being a spectator when he saw someone that needed help.
1: I mean, listen, I want to make light of this because it is just kind of a funny redneckery kind of thing. And I know that a lot of the riverboat patrons had a lot of fun singing, move, get out of here, get out of here. I loved all that. I mean, it was all funny and stuff until people started getting hurt. But this actually could have gotten a lot more serious. Donnell, you know as well as I do Alabama is an open carry state. You can exactly. carry a gun without a permit. And what if those yokels, one of them or two of them, got back on that pontoon to get a gun out and then what happens? And then you've got a just a, not just a brawl but a mass shooting happening nice. on uh, on the banks of the Alabama River in downtown Montgomery, Alabama, the state capital of the state. And it's like what are the odds
0: that none of those people, none of those adults had a gun? Black or white? Mm -hmm. Someone probably had access to one somewhere. Thankfully, 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 it wasn't used. But when a journalist pumping, you can't, and a man just got hit with a chair per se, or a man got punched, you know, people have shot people for less.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Very happy that guns were not involved because this really could have been a massive tragedy instead of. a thing that we all saw.
1: I'm really kind of surprised now in hindsight that that didn't happen. I mean, people got hit with folding chairs and nobody pulled a gun. Folding chairs, man. Folding <laughs> chairs and thrown into the water.
0: Oh, my. And yet still, no one said the heck with that. I'm going to my car. Co- well, I guess the car's a little far. I'm going onto the boat where I have one stashed somewhere in the boat or whatever. But again, I, I, I'm just amazed
1: in Alabama. You don't, uh, you can carry it on you of without course. a permit. So why even worry about it being in the car? If it can be on your person completely legally in the state of Alabama. Amazing that that no one was killed. So hurt? sure. When you fight, you get hurt. So killed. amazing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. I really like, I, I know the, the, the meat of the story, the, 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 the bare bones of it. I don't know have have we gotten names I mean this guy should have a he, there should be a statue of him on the banks of that river for doing his job and standing up to these folks do we know his name yet do we know his background is there anything yet that we've learned about the principles involved
0: What's funny is we have the name of the young man who jumped off the um, right. boat and swam but we don't have the name of the, of the security guard or dock worker person yet I'm sure that on Twitter it's somewhere floating yeah. but I haven't seen a full report I have the three names of the young the white man who attacked him initially they had Mm -hmm. to turn themselves in Mm -hmm. and i believe a black man was arrested the one who hit the woman with the chair that second time come on man why you gotta
1: arrest i mean i mean don't 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 hit a lady but
0: don't hit a lady with a chair but who's on the floor though don't do that
1: yeah not cool
0: but that said that said i'm not sure if he was arrested and then let go that day whatever we don't have all the details it's so i mean it's i watched the press conference Uh and and you know you know this is this is the mayor saying hey we don't like. We don't condone this. Yeah. We don't like this. Right. Dot, dot, dot And then the police commissioner saying the same thing. Don't come here. Think about doing that again. It's like, yeah, I understand that. No, don't come doing it again. But it happened already. Mm-hmm. And where's the security for that? Where's other than that one man? Where was the security for people? I don't want to blame it on the city. I'm just saying anyone could have jumped on him. Thank, thankfully, there were people there. Maybe an hour later, there's no one else there.
1: I also have and to say, if there's if, if there's one thing I could nitpick, that this uh, doc worker probably should have done differently and i think we'll do differently if not procedurally that there'll be some changes made i would have called, i would have had a, a radio on me i would have been calling right. the police right away right i mean right. If that, it, you just you, again you're dealing with those people and i'm sure nobody took uh, breathalyzers or anything like that, but you got to think those people were overserved the pontoon riders i mean you don't listen you don't hang out on a pontoon all day on the rivers in the south uh, Talking. on the weekends you know and not <laughs> ha, not have a few you know natty lights or, or PEPs you know PBRs or or whatever their their beverage. It's not Bud Light. We know they're not drinking Bud Light anymore because God forbid that'll make them gay. But God uh, forbid. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's just this is an interesting you know story to watch. I again, I'm just kind of fascinated from a sociological point of view. Normally we all run to our bunkers, the black versus white, the Kaepernick's versus you know uh, you know the the stand for the anthem part. But it's been really quiet on the right when it comes to this particular case? Bec- is it because there's some shame or do they not want to actually kind of play by the same rules they play when this, when the tides are, are turned or when the when the, the shoe's on the other foot? It's hard to stand up. It's hard to stand up for a coward, right? right. The two men were fighting was one thing.
0: Mm-hmm. When the other two and three men
1: come and
0: they're jumping on this one oh,
1: guy. Oh, and, and a woman. Hard Don't hard forget, hard. we saw a woman and get involved woman in this too. It's two, right. So that's five people now. It's
0: hard to even... Even if you're so far right, it's unbelievable you're off the screen. It's hard to stand up for that. It is. It's just our nature. You're like, man, that's not cool. That's five guys in this guy. Guy didn't have a gun. Didn't have a a baton. Didn't have a taser. Just a dude. Two men were fighting. Now there's four men and a woman fighting. That's not cool in anybody's book. Race be damned. Politics be damned. They're keeping that quiet because guess who's the initiator now? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Uh Uh-oh. It's not a gang thing. It's not about... No fathers in the home. (laughs) Right. um, Public school systems and um, ghettos. All that stuff is out the window now, Uh huh? huh? Yeah.
1: It's funny how that plays out, right? It's funny
0: how that plays. Yeah.
1: Don L. Suggs, editor-in-chief Atlanta Voice. Thanks for coming to talk with me today. I appreciate you having me, my friend. Anytime. One more segment. Back after this. All right. Final segment of The Ron Show for Tuesday. Dr. Bernice King, who is an attorney and also the youngest child of civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King penned a letter that the Supporter Report published. The headline, The King Center and Partners Call on the City of Atlanta to Let the People Vote on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. By the way, the city of Atlanta is lawyering up. They're looking to comb through these uh, petitions to ensure that everybody that signs it is legally allowed to. And we have talked with volunteers on this show before who have said that they are doing their dead level best to ensure that they get more than enough votes, uh, uh, voters to sign the petitions so that there's a lot less ammo for the city to derail it. Just interesting stuff, considering that Mayor Andre Dickens basically said, uh, okay, initially, okay, let's, let's let the voters, you know, have their say. The Atlanta voters had their say in several city council meetings, and yet still the city council did what they did, but... We'll see how this referendum uh, scenario plays out. Anyway, Dr. King penned this. I'm going to read this to you real quick. In his 1957 speech, Give Us the Ballot, Dr. Martin Luther King said, In this juncture of our nation's history, there is an urgent need for dedicated and courageous leadership. We as a city and nation are at such a juncture. We are imploring that the Atlanta City Council be a part of a national cadre of dedicated, courageous leaders. If the beloved community is indeed our shared goal, then the King Center joins the hundreds of community leaders and organizers in Atlanta, including students, civil rights attorneys, community advocates, academics, and environmental scientists, to insist that the construction of the Public Safety Training Center be put to a Democratic vote by residents of Atlanta. There has been no shortage of debate about the City of Atlanta's decision to build a new 90 plus million dollar public safety training center. The letter continues. There has been no shortage of debate about the city of Atlanta's decision to build a new 90 plus million dollar public safety training center. There has also been copious disagreements about where, how, and frankly, whether it should be built. Since 2021, the city of Atlanta has made two major decisions concerning this issue. Number one, to lease 85-plus acres of publicly owned green space in a historic black neighborhood to a private foundation to build a training facility for police and firefighters, and two, to designate at least $31 million plus $1.2 million per year for 30 years of public dollars to the Atlanta Police Foundation to fund it. Supporters and dissenters of these decisions, including Mayor Andre Dickens and several city council members, agree on one thing. The city of Atlanta's decision from the outset did not include sufficient, equitable, nor transparent public engagement. The King Center considers this a misstep and a missed opportunity as we believe city leadership should ensure a just, humane, and equitable path if we are sincerely committed to advancing and preserving the beloved community in our city. Hundreds of people participated in the city's official vehicle of public comment at a recent city council meeting. They overwhelmingly opposed the lease and the use of public funding for this project. In addition, nonviolent protests in opposition to the current construction plans have persisted, including an active call for a referendum by many grassroots leaders in Atlanta. However, despite the ardent opposition shared during public comment and in protest, city leadership and most city council members and Mayor Dickens insist that the majority of residents across districts are in favor of the council's collective decision to use public funding for the project. There is a straightforward and democratic way to address this tension. Put it to a public vote. Place the people's referendum on the ballot. In a time of crises in housing, health, poverty, and justice, if the city of Atlanta intends to use 31 million public dollars, the responsible and democratic approach is to allow the public to vote on whether this is how their government should spend their money. The system of democracy was designed so that every person, regardless of class, creed, or race, would have an objective and unchallenged opportunity to meaningfully participate in the building of their community. Everyone has a responsibility and a right to contribute their voice to discussions and decisions on city governance. The participation of the people must be welcome. Atlanta cannot be a city that closes its ears to its most vulnerable residents who have been made so by historically discriminatory, destructive, and undemocratic policies and practices. Atlanta, known as the bedrock of the civil rights movement, should be the standard for how a city engages its residents in matters concerning the collective good, collaborative justice, and the cohesiveness of the city. We believe that if the Atlanta City Council agrees to put this issue to a public vote, the council will provide the most democratic and peaceful option for the city of Atlanta. This is the best way forward for Atlanta's beloved community. This piece was co-authored by Bernice King, CEO of the King Center, Latasha Brown from Black Voters Matter, Helen Butler, the Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda, and Rohit Malhotra from the Center for Civic Innovation. I will include that link to the supporter report where this letter was published in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. Meanwhile, a headline we missed a couple of days ago that I thought I'd share with you. So the mayor himself put together a committee Uh, That's made up, it's called the South River Forest and Public Safety Training Center Community Task Force. Boy, it just rolls right off the tongue, right? Um, There are members from various organizations, 38 members uh, made up of um, individuals and organizations, uh, those who are for and against the public training center, Uh, anything from the NAACP to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and uh, many folks in between. Anyway, Uh, The mayor, uh, according to the AJC, is finalizing recommendations. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, There was another story about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Commissioner Ted Terry, DeKalb County, has been pushing, um, you know, a a little bit of a temperature check of DeKalb County voters. So Ted Terry uh, commissioned an internal poll conducted by his campaign of DeKalb County voters asking the question uh, whether or not they support it. Uh, so the poll, dated back to June 16th, showed that the cab voters were relatively split over the center. 39% opposed, 35% supportive, which is within a margin of error that the pollster set at 4.4 percentage points. Uh, it was a temperature check of 500 registered voters, but uh, according to the AJC, they haven't seen the cross tabs. So with any poll, they say take it with a grain of salt. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the city of Atlanta is uh, lawyering up to prepare, by the way, outside counsel, to verify training center referendum signatures. So they're going to be pretty particular. As we've heard when we've had uh, Alex Murphy, one of the uh, volunteer uh, uh, legal uh, volunteers with the Stop Cop City Movement, say they're being very particular and very careful about the kind of signatures that they get. They're being very particular, according to Alex, with their procedures and making sure that those that are signing these ballots are, in fact, legal Atlanta voters. And, of course, you also have the complexity of the state now purging votes in the process. So, oh God, confusion will reign, I'm sure. Anyway, we're keeping an eye on that story. That's going to do it for today's Ron I want to thank Donnell Suggs from The Atlanta Voice for joining us back tomorrow, at 5 to 6 p.m. here on the American One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Until then, take care.